Well, at a family gathering, a young boy, about eight, eight years old, uh, was asked to say grace for the family. And so everybody around the table kind of bowed their heads and he got started and he began giving thanks for the chicken, for the corn, the carrots, the beans, even the ice cream for dessert. And then there was a long pause and it stretched out and everybody was waiting and cracking an eye to see what was going on. Eventually, after this long silence, the young fellow looked up quietly and whispered quietly to his dad and said, Dad, if I thank God for the broccoli, won't he know that I'm lying? <laughs> what should we pray? Uh, when he knows what we want as well as he really knows what we mean, what should we pray to God about? We're in our final week in our series on prayer and I hope if you've been here it's been an encouraging reminder and, and even growing that conviction that prayer changes lives. So let's pray now uh, that we would hear God speak to us again. Heavenly Father, uh, deepen our relationship with you through prayer and make us a church of prayer so that we will be alive with Christ and see others made alive with Christ in our community. Incline our hearts to you, open our minds to your word and unite our will with yours as you satisfy our souls as only you can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so far, we've seen, or we've asked the question, who? Who are we praying to? Uh, and we've seen that we can pray because he is able, able to do anything and willing as our loving Heavenly Father. And that's how, who it is that we're praying to. That's why prayer changes lives. But that's not all we've seen. We've then thought about, well, why should we pray? There's, sadly, there are things that seem to get in the way, but why should we pray? Well, it's the ABC of prayer. We have access through Jesus into the very uh, heart of God's life, into his throne room there. We also belong. We are his children God's own spirit has come to live in us when we have faith in Jesus so that we can call him Father. But the other thing we see is that God is bringing about change. Uh, as we pray, he wants to change us to be more like Jesus regardless of us or even through our circumstances. And then we asked last week, okay, so we know who, we know uh, why we should, but how does prayer work? We saw from God's word that it's God, God's choice. He chooses to use our prayers. doesn't have to, but he's chosen to, and he does use our prayers to bring about his eternal purposes. That's how prayer works, and it's so powerful. That's why it changes lives. Well, today we're thinking about what should we pray. I want you to do something for me for a second. I want you to think about a smell that stirs good memories. Not bad ones, just good ones. Uh, for example, for me, the Christmas tree. We get a real Christmas tree and as soon as I smell it, it reminds me of going Christmas tree hunting with my family as a kid through Christmas tree farms. Great memories. 
Or in the middle of summer, when it's been a really hot day and the rain hits the road and you get that kind of weird smell. Not a particularly pleasant smell as the rain hits the road. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. That takes me straight away to Sortel, where I grew up every summer going to my nana's place and having an incredible summer holiday with her and my family. What's a smell that stirs a good memory for you? Turn to someone next to you, if you can think of it, and share one. I'm going to just give you 20 seconds. Go. Okay, that's it. Got to stop. Keep going after over morning tea. That'll be fine. Okay. Now you get what I'm talking about. Smells that stir us, that are pleasing. That's how God responds to our prayers. Don't know if you know about this or ever thought about it, but they are, we read in the Bible, a pleasing aroma. You see, in the Old Testament, we're told that when they were to establish that meeting place, the tabernacle and then the temple, they were to have, or they were to burn incense constantly, night and day, to represent the prayers of the people that would be this pleasing aroma to God. In fact, the spices and things that would go into that were only to be used there. You couldn't go, ooh, I like that smell, I'm going to have that at home. No, it was not allowed, it was dangerous. It was just for God to represent represent the prayers of the people and similar uh, grain offerings that you can read about in Leviticus 2 they too represented the prayers to God by his people and it keeps saying again and again this is an aroma pleasing to the Lord but it's not really the smell it's about the fact that they represent God's own people crying out to him, calling to him, speaking with him, thanking him, praising, whatever it is. And in fact, it is so precious and so pleasant to God that we read in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, that book that gives us great visions of heaven. It says that, they, that God collects our prayers in golden bowls so that they are kept close and so that they are constantly pleasing to him. That's your prayers and that's how God receives them and is pleased. They are precious to him. So as we think about what to pray today, I thought it was really important for us to go, they please God. What you're praying is a, something precious to God. But it is still worth asking, so what should we pray? There's so many different things, but one of the things that I wanted to share with us today was prayers that are in the Bible and how to take hold of them and use them. Because what we're going to see is, when we think about, well, what should we pray, and we look at the way that prayers in the Bible teach us, we are to pray for God's glory, we are to pray for God's priorities, and we are to trust in God's provision. That's where we're going today. And so, firstly, let's have a look at God's glory in our prayers. Now, this is quite radical, because we live in a culture that says, what we do should be for us, it should be for our glory. Put me at the center. But actually, our prayers are to show that God is the one at the center, that it is his glory. And we see this when Jesus teaches us, teaches us how to pray and to see our world and our lives very differently to our world. 
in the Lord's Prayer. Let's just think about how Jesus begins this prayer. I think he's calling on us to take a step back from the things that we think are urgent. To take a step back from our desires and a look to God's glory. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus, in response to the disciples, says, This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or honour your name. Glorify your name, God. He could have started with anything, but that's where he starts. And, and he doesn't just say that one thing. He then continues, doesn't he? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. This is all to seek God's glory when we come to him. That we pray that he would be glorified in our world and in all things. That his kingdom that has begun in Jesus Christ would come into our lives and into our world and as we look forward to the final completion of that arrival of that kingdom in heaven. That we would pray that his will would be done as he rules in all places and that he would unite our will with his. This is all for God's glory. That's what Jesus is teaching us. Our prayers, our priority at the beginning there ought to be for God's glory. And the Psalms, that book of Psalms, uh, it does this so wonderfully, doesn't it? It teaches us to glorify God with our prayers, like Psalm 34, verse 3. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Give him the highest place in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Or Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. There's a bunch of other Psalms, Psalm 105, 1 to 2, Psalm 118, 28, Psalm 103, Psalm 145. If you want to write, get those later, come talk to me. Okay. The point is, it shines a light on our own prayer life, doesn't it? Are our prayers seeking God's glory or our own? As we pray for God's glory... There's two really important and helpful things that come about. One is that we actually see, we will see that God's glory is more precious than any of our desires and is more powerful than any urgent need that we are afraid of. And the second thing that happens when we pray for God to be glorified is we see that the things in our lives, our problems, our hurts and our pains and, and all the other things are in the hands of a glorious God. And so we don't need to be anxious when we see just how glorious he is. And this is what we actually miss out on if we do drive through prayer. Uh, I'm sure you've all been to drive through Macca's or even the self-serve at uh, the shops. These can't wait. Just got to get my thing and do. Got to do it on my terms. It, when we're just just doing drive-through prayer, as in we're just fitting God in. I'm driving to work, and so I've prayed then, or I've, I've just got to do this, that, or the other. We can pray then, and there are pleasing aroma to God. But if we're not taking the time to stop and think, oh, I've got to look at this God and see His glory and pray for it, we are missing out. That's why as Christians, we're encouraged to spend that time with God 
reading the word and responding in prayer to do a quiet time. You've possibly heard of that. Um, That's exactly what Psalm 46 verse 10 is talking about when it says, be still and know that I am God. That's God calling us, be still. Stop moving with your body and your mind racing all over the place. Just be still. Spend that time coming to know me and responding in prayer and know that I am God, this glorious God. So what do we pray? Well, firstly, I want to encourage us, as we see in the Bible, we are to pray for God's glory. The second thing is God's priorities. Now, we can pray about anything, and that's so good because he's our loving Heavenly Father. But God's priorities are eternal. And this is what we see when we look at the prayers in the Bible. The Psalms, uh, they actually do address immediate needs that we might have, but they also help us to look to God and, and consider him and his eternal priorities. When we praise him, we give him thanks. Yes, there's grief to be expressed. There's confession of sin. There's asking God to hear us. There's asking God for help. And all of this is thinking about God's priorities, just like with Jesus' prayer and Paul's prayers. And I want to encourage you that these prayers in the Bible, especially looking at Paul's prayers like we've got in our readings today, they are an incredible gift from God. God is saying to us when we think, what should I pray? He's saying, pray these things. And they are incredibly wonderful gifts from God to pray. But the other thing is, they come with a guaranteed answer. God is saying, I want you to ask me these things and I want to answer them. And so as we look at them, we see that one of the priorities of God is to know him, to know God And no one in this room can say, oh yeah, I know God enough. I've got him sorted. There's no one who can say that. That's why we need to be praying every day to know God more and to have a desire to know him more. And this is where Ephesians is just gives us the words to say. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. If you read it with me, Paul there, he's praying for them, but it's a prayer that we can use for ourselves and others. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, you know, that's, that's a God that we'll spend eternity coming to know, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better. We need to be asking for God's spirit to give us wisdom and revelation or, or understanding of God as we open up his word and as we reflect on that that we would be drawn into a deeper relationship with him. It's not just knowing about him, it's knowing him. But it's also about knowing God's eternal priorities. And the great thing is when we know them, that'll actually shape our own. It'll be, they'll become our priorities. It's really helpful to ask when we think about what are we going to pray, what's going to matter a thousand years in heaven? What's going to be important a million years in heaven? They'd be the things worth praying about. It doesn't mean we can't pray about our everyday, but let's not miss out on these eternal priorities of God. And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 is so helpful to give us the language for this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened 
that we would see with more than just the things of this earth with our eyes, but actually our very heart, even soul, would see these things in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, that you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Isn't that a great thing to pray? That our eyes of our heart would open so that when we think about that hope, we would fix our eyes on the future, on our dwelling with God in heaven, that we would know the riches of our inheritance so that when we are weighing up the things of this world, we would see that they are worth, it's worth giving up anything, sacrificing anything, any cost compared to those incomparable riches that we will have with God in heaven. And finally, that we would know this power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, that's powerful. And that we would know that power in our lives as we battle with sin, as we go through difficult times, as we seek for the gospel to be spread. That's the power that we need to know. These are some of the priorities of God because these are eternal. And as we pray them, we will grow our own love for them. And I think if we love others, we will be praying these things for them too. Yes, pray about the circumstances and the health and all these other things, but, but ultimately, these are the most loving things to pray for people. We can pray about anything. But God's priorities are eternal and glorious. And thirdly, what can we pray? Well, we can pray for God's provision. Jesus himself said, pray for your daily bread. That's a good and right thing to do. But again, I love these prayers in the Bible because they go beyond what I would think to ask for myself. Those real needs. Because God in these prayers shows us that he wants to give us and he wants us to ask for more than just our stomach but for our very souls as well and this is what we see in that prayer from colossians the other reading in that particular prayer there that we have in it and it's worth knowing that paul never met the colossians never went there he's writing this letter he's praying these prayers for people he's never met this is the best thing he can be praying for them and he says, verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10, we pray this in order that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and you may please him in every way. This is about everyday life, but it's to be about pleasing the Lord and being worthy of him. And he prays four things then, four great things to pray. Firstly, for us serving Jesus, that we would be bearing fruit in every good work. When God is at work in us and through us, we will bear fruit. Fruit of godliness and fruit in the gospel. And that's what we have as part of our, one of our mission purposes, that we'd share Christ like a tree bearing fruit. But it's also about growing. So it's serving and growing, growing in the knowledge of God. Like I said before, this is essential. But particularly because the more we know God and see his glory the more we can see through the lies of sin. Sin in our own hearts as we, we think, ooh, maybe God's 
holding out on me or maybe that's better than what God's offering me. No, when we see and know God more, we cut through the lies. But it's also about enduring. All of us know that there can be some pretty tough times, tough times in life and challenging times even as a Christian. What a wonderful thing to pray for ourselves and others. Verse 11, that we would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience so that by God's power we would be able to get through this and be patient in his timing, whether it's issues with health, issues with faith, resisting sins, standing for Jesus, whatever it is, we can pray this prayer and God will answer. It's serving, growing, enduring, and finally thanksgiving. Verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Why? Because of the inheritance that we will share with his holy people in the kingdom of light. That's where we have joy, no matter what's going on, because, man, we're going to be a part of the kingdom of light. But it shows us and reminds us again of how important it is to be thankful, to have gratitude for God. Because that's the key to joy. Joy in, in Jesus, in the tough times when we can see God's grace to us. What we have in these prayers of the Bible and this promise of God to provide is like a prayer buffet. It's awesome. There are so many incredibly delicious and meaty and fantastic things. Let's not settle for a Vegemite Sambo. But if, if that's all we do is just keep running through the different things that are going on in our life, we're missing out on the buffet. And it is wonderful. God wants to feed our souls, not just our stomachs. So let's pray these prayers, looking for God's glory, God's priorities, and God's provision. So tonight or, or tomorrow, what will you pray? Will you just go back to the same old, same old? Well, you've heard in this series God's call to pray because prayer changes lives. So I encourage you to have that quiet time, to be still and know that God is God. I want to encourage you to find these prayers in the Bible. Use the ones, begin here. And if you want more information about prayers in the Bible, come and see me or I'd highly recommend again that book by Don Carson, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. Praying with Paul, he unpacks those prayers and it's incredible. Because I want to share, I encourage you to do this and share with you that this for me, of taking hold of these gifts from God, these prayers in the Bible, has been one of the most significant parts of my Christian life and growth. Um, Dan, if we can go to this uh, first photo. That's me. Uh, a very cute me a very long time ago. But I didn't stay that way, clearly. Things have changed. If we go to the next one. <laughs> Lots of things have changed, haven't they? And they keep changing. We can go to the next one now, Dad. The thing is, as a Christian, we're not meant to just stay the same. And this is a real opportunity from God to see your prayer life, not just having what words to say, but actually being drawn into a deeper relationship with God.
These are the most loving things. We can not only pray for ourselves, but for others, because they're eternal. So a couple of things to think about, areas to pray for. Firstly, missionaries and gospel ministers. Paul actually says in Romans 15, verse 30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Not by coming out and doing something. No, we join with our missionary partners and with our ministry staff by joining in that struggle in prayer. If you don't know what to pray, go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 to the rest of it. You can pray that for me anytime. But it's also, we can pray for family and friends. There's often lots of things. And you might pray something like, I'll oh, keep them safe. I want my kids to, my grandkids to be safe. And that's okay, but Jesus actually says there is actually something even more important that we ought to be praying for their safety. On the night before he died, John 17, Jesus has his wonderful prayer. And one of the things he prays for his disciples then, and I think it's the same for us today, is Jesus himself says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. The world is going to crucify him the next day. He knows how dangerous and difficult it is, he says, but that you protect them from the evil one, that you keep them safe in their faith in Jesus. That's what we ought to pray for our family and our friends. Yeah, pray for safe travel wherever they're going, but ultimately, let's pray that they'd be truly kept safe. And finally, let's pray for our church, for our church family, our church community. I love Epaphras. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul writes to the Colossians about one of their own. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Isn't that a great thing to pray for one another? Now, when he says wrestling, he's not saying, oh, he's trying to get God down into a, a chokehold so he'll have to give him what he wants. No, his wrestling is he's putting in the time and the effort and he's doing battle, joining with God in the battle for the hearts and minds of God's own people that they would stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured when we love each other, this is what we will pray and we will wrestle for our church and our brothers and sisters in Christ. So what are you going to pray? Well, God calls on us to pray for God's glory with God's priorities, trusting God to provide. I'm going to lead us in a brief prayer. Actually, one of my other favourites from Romans 15, 13. Uh, so let's pray. May the God of hope fill us all with all joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As Stuart said before, we're going to have our song now, but as we've been doing through this series, this is a good time for us to think about any questions that we might have or comments in relation to prayer. You can do that with Slido, the online kind of thing that we've been doing. The QR code that you can scan is right there and that way you can put in a question, you can even see the questions. Um, or you can do the old school, put up your hand during that time as well. But let's have a time together now 
where we can reflect on God's word and you could sing and or you can put in a question.